This is Victor from Tank Riot with Sputnik. Good day. Hello, this is Tor. And we are live at Fighting Bob Fest. So we'll be talking about Fighting Bob. But one thing I wanted to ask you guys is, wouldn't it be fun to just take Carl Rove and drop him right in the middle of Fighting Bob Fest? It would, just to see if he can adapt and survive, which I think he probably could, being that kind of animal. <laughs> yeah, that would be quite interesting. <laughs> I think they'd tear him apart. <laughs> they would, too. This is quite a crowd. So, we'll see if we can get some interviews and maybe, maybe a sighting of Phil Donahue. <laughs> America for 300 years has been the land of promise for the rest of the world. The land of new frontiers, new opportunities. Yeah, we can Hello and welcome to Tank Riot. I'm Tor and I'm with Victor today. Hello. However, Sputnik wasn't able to make the recording. We received an email from a fan, Sean Camden, who writes, There's an article in the National Geographic News you should read titled, Virus Infecting Virus Fuels Definition of Life Debate. Turns out, in a recent study, the electron micros microscopy revealed a smaller virus attached to the main virus, which they said made the host virus grow larger and damaged its ability to reproduce. The tiny satellite virus was dubbed Sputnik. So I think he's got a virus. Yeah. He's, or he's a virus-eating virus. He's out infecting the world. He's very ill today. But not through audio recording today. <laughs> That's our job. So today's show is uh, a political show. We're talking about Democrat, Republican, conventions. We're only going to talk about lipstick. Fighting Bob Fest <laughs> and whatever else might come up. Well, we spent we the got... weekend after, after all the political conventions and ensuing tear gas. <laughs> and we went to <laughs> Fighting Bob Fest in Baraboo, Wisconsin. Hey, hey, boo-boo. I hey, don't know why boo -boo. I say that every time I hear that name word. I think it's because you drive by the Yogi Bear <laughs> campground on the way to Baraboo sometimes. Right. Yeah, it's, yeah. We took the back way, and Fighting Bob Fest is a festival organized in uh, 2001 by a bunch of activists and progressives who won against uh, Perrier and a, this big water fight that, that was trying to save water use rights in the state of Wisconsin. And they decided to have a Chautauqua-type fest where people would get together 
Talk Ideas workshop, how what they had done was successful and how other people could be successful on other things and call it Fighting Bob Fest. That's right. 2002 was the first Fighting Bob okay. Fest and more than a thousand people attended and the participation has grown. Each year it has gone up. Uh, when we were there, we're guessing about 10,000 people were there. Yeah, I think last year, 2007, had about uh, 8,000 people there. Yeah. And so it's a series of uh, lectures, distinguished speakers, generally of the Democratic bent, uh, sometimes of the far progressive bent, the Green oh, Party speakers. The way lefties. It, it yeah. goes way left all the way to centrist left. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, just one little dig on the counts. We have a, a local Fox News affiliate. So, you know, after I go to Fighting Bob Fest, I have to see what the news is talking about it. Flip on Fox News, and they report it as hundreds of people showed up for Fighting Bob Fest. And then they, like, showed a two-second clip, and that's the only news it got. You know, so it's total media propaganda, you know, just distorting the facts. I think they showed up at the beginning before anybody else did, took a, some video, and then left and didn't stay to actually see what happened. I did a search on Google News of Fighting Bob Fest. This is my first time going to it. I know that uh, Sputnik has been to this on several occasions and gets a good kick out of it, and it was a lot of fun to attend. Don't get me wrong. This was really, really fun, um, especially the corn dogs. But uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, there, there were a lot of uh, workshops. And there were a lot of people talking, and, and this isn't all far left-wing. I mean, you had speakers this year. Um, you had Tammy Baldwin. Mike McCabe. Uh, you did have Cynthia McKinney speaking, who's yeah. running on the green ticket here in Wisconsin. Yep. Uh, but one of the major attractions that that we thought, uh, in my opinion, was Phil Donahue. Oh, yes. Phil Donahue was one of the late afternoon speakers at Fight and Bob Fest, talking about the direction the country's going and the direction the country should be going. And we did get a little bit of the audio of the first couple minutes of Phil Donahue's speech so you can get a little bit of the tenor of the group and and the excitement that was in the air when Phil Donahue took the podium. Yeah, and I, I grew up uh, watching Phil Donahue at the Phil Donahue show. But as many of you may or may not know, he had a, a television show on, I believe it was MSNBC. It was canceled very, very quickly. And as soon as he started talking, uh, uh, you know, saying things that weren't in line with the official government, uh, you know, propaganda. Yeah, he was canceled. Yeah, and that's truly sad because it was it was yeah. a good show, and he was, he was again, speaking his mind. Um, and MSNBC also, you know, runs other people that speak their minds. So it's kind of shocking that now they're, they seem to be going that way, but they weren't ready for Phil Donahue. But uh, mm -hmm. Phil Donahue was in Madison promoting his new film. He's made a documentary called Body of War about uh, Thomas Young, a young um, serviceman who went to Iraq and within the first week was injured by a bullet wound to the spine, which left him paralyzed. And uh, the movie follows uh, him when he comes back and what he faces and, and what his serious concerns are uh, after an injury like that. But let's listen yeah. to Phil Donahue give his intro to his really wonderful speech. I thought it was a great speech. Oh, yeah. It had all the Phil Donahue characteristics, sarcasm, hyperbole, his his way of his demeanor and mannerisms that I I grew up on in the 70s. I loved hearing Phil Donahue talk, and this was a real, real treat. So here's mm -hmm. the beginning. Well, hello, Wisconsin. Oh, my goodness. 
man, I wouldn't miss this for anything. Oh, my goodness. Let me look at you. So you're the people who hate America. You're the people who think a man ought to be able to marry a Cocker Spaniel. You're against traditional marriage. I don't know why I am seen in public with you. Somebody may take my picture. This is what they have done to us. And by the way, we stood there while it was happening. We just don't get it. We don't under... The next time somebody tells us that we don't love America, we're going to say, hell, we love it better than you do. We believe in the Bill of Rights. If, if you put the Bill of Rights to a vote in this crowd, it would pass. You know, we can't be certain about those in power now. They believe that all men are created equal unless we're scared. We had just this past week the vice presidential nominee talk about prisoners' rights with disdain. I mean contempt. How dare you worry about a prisoners' rights. This is only the fundamental bedrock of this nation, and it's being dismissed now as not important. We have to stop this right now. All right, that is Phil Donahue. And uh, now at the beginning, he says that he's really glad to be here and he wouldn't miss it for the world. Well, one thing you got to know is that just before, like the day before or that morning of, he fell down some stairs and busted up his knee. So he is in an incredible amount of pain and had every right to cancel out, just say, I can't do this. But he came anyway because, you know, fighting Bob, it's fighting Bob Fest. You can't miss that. It's a big thing. And, uh, you know, we managed to interview one of the speakers at Fighting Bob Fest, but uh, in my attempt to talk to uh, Phil Donahue, there was absolutely no way because they had to carry him up onto the stage. They had to carry him down and then they had to haul him away in the golf cart. And he I talked to his uh, handler, his manager, and yeah. there was no speaking to the media after that wonderful speech. I mean, yeah, Phil gave it yeah. all. To it was a, it was a speech. great speech. Yes. But I really felt like he was at his he was at his wits end with mm -hmm. with his knee. I felt really bad for him, but I'm really glad he could make it all the way to. Yeah. Baraboo, Wisconsin, which must have been multiple plane rides and, and car rides. <laughs> yeah, camel rides. I camel, mean, by or camel or goat. Or something, yeah. He made it, he made it somehow. <laughs> or circus elephant. Uh, Baraboo, Wisconsin uh, was the home of the Ringling Brothers Circus. But, so this is the seventh yeah. annual Fighting Bob Fest, right? That's right. Started in 2002. Cor correct. By Fighting Bob? <laughs> well, no, it was named after Fighting Bob La Follette. And why should anyone outside of Wisconsin care about who Fighting Bob was? Because he's one of the was. greatest U.S. politicians ever. He was a senator, a governor, and he ran for president. But, hey, Victor, can you tell us more? 
more than that? I think you yeah. got it covered. Well, he's he was born in Wisconsin, just south of Tropical Madison, where we record this very podcast That's every right. so often. Yeah, <laughs> when, we, when we record this podcast. Um, but he was born in June of 1855 in Primrose, Wisconsin. And that's just outside of New Glarus, home of New Glarus, New Glarus Brewery. Brewing Company, yes. Good suds. You can get tours yourself. Uh-huh. Try the uh, Staghorn or maybe the Spotted Cow. It's a Wisconsin favorite. And we are in no way affiliated or sponsored. <laughs> <laughs> but we should be. Um, no, he, he his father died when he was quite young. He had a really rough upbringing with his stepfather didn't get along with him too well but he came to madison his whole family moved to madison and he got a job teaching so he could earn tuition to go to the uw madison um he attended school here got his degree in madison and uh became the da uh in the city of madison and worked there for several years until he worked his way up to becoming a member of the u.s house of representative from the third congressional district and this was about 1885 to 1891. Um, he was a Republican in the beginning. People would say he's a Lincoln Republican. Yeah, as as opposed to the fascist Republicans <laughs> <laughs> or neoconservative, <laughs> Neo- huh? as you, you will want to call them. <laughs> this is way before that time. Yeah, but uh, yeah, he served. He served the House of Representatives. Even at the time, he was a little bit upset about some of the bribery going on and some of the big business things that were going on even in the late 1800s but uh in january 1901 he became governor of wisconsin he's the 20th governor and he served from uh 1901 to 1906 as governor and um he was a very big uh progressives pro small farms he was anti-railway in some ways um and he'd done a lot of things to upset some of the political establishment so that he didn't seem to fit in so well with some of his Republican peers. Right. Safe to say. (laughs) So he started his own party or movement. Well, what he did is within the Republican Party, he tried to move the party more towards um, progressive reforms and little man politics and protecting Mm -hmm. the small um, person and became known as insurgents within the party versus the stalwarts in the party. And he tried mm-hmm. to push this and push this. And and this had been going on up until he became uh, a U.S. senator, um, where he nominated himself to the U.S. Senate in 1906 and became a senator um, from 1906. Wait, he nominated himself? He did nominate himself, yes. Well, that's a good trick. Yeah, I know. It's like, hey, <laughs> pleasure just to be nominated. <laughs> so, yes, he did nominate himself. And uh, he served from 1906 to 1925 in the Senate. Yeah, that that kind of reminds me of uh, Canada. In Canada recently, uh, President Palpatine uh, <laughs> dissolved. President of what? There is no parliament. <laughs> dissolved the parliament yes. in Canada. And anyway, I think he put water on it and it yeah. just dissolved. Yeah, I read yeah, that in the news. In so, between, uh, in between the reports of lipstick and pit bulls and lipstick and pigs. There was some brief mention of, of yeah. Canada's parliament is dissolved. Yeah, so yeah, I guess Canada is no longer a democracy. Or, yeah. or they have that weird English system. Maybe they might have a hold an election and reestablish something. Yeah, but, but you know what that says to everyone who lives in America is you can't run to Canada anymore. You yeah, to, yeah. You have to pick a new country because uh, that border is no longer the... the yeah, <laughs> we can't really trust that border because they got... 
They got a loony too now. They got their own things going on <laughs> yeah. there right now. <laughs> but yeah, he, you know, the Follett uh, was was incredibly divisive. And when World War One came along, is when he really made his big mark because uh, he was anti-war. Uh, he's he's basically didn't feel that American soldiers should answer to English captains and fight a war against the Germans. And he really was anti-war. And that became a giant thing in the media where he became portrayed as a traitor, treasonous behavior. They couldn't believe he would actually do this. And he uh, was under fire pretty much constantly for that. And in 1917, he delivered a speech. And this guy never backed away and never stepped down. And why it's fighting Bob. <laughs> that's why they call him Fighting Bob. So his speech in it was it was uh, his address was scheduled for October 6, 1917. His opponents in Congress changed the schedule so that he could only speak and then be rebutted. And so he had to give this one speech to plead his case. And his speech was about the abuses of free speech and the abuses of power. And it was all about how in times of war, a person should have even more the right to speak out against war. Yes. And uh, this is known as, you know, one of the greatest speeches in, um, in the United States. There is a law professor well there there are two professors uh, in the united states that did a 1999 list of the top 100 speeches of the century mm -hmm. and this is uh, a list compiled by stephen lucas um, of the university of wisconsin madison and uh, martin medhurst from texas a&m university of course they top the list of 100 speeches with i have a dream okay. <laughs> so so you definitely have the i have a dream speech you have john f Kennedy's inaugural address. You have the Franklin Delano Roosevelt war message. You have some great, great, great speeches. And La Follette's uh, speech uh, ranks number 59 of the 100 greatest speeches of the century. And it's called Free Speech in Wartime. And just a little mm -hmm. snippet that I have handy here. So in other words, it's okay for the Dixie Chicks to speak their mind you know, I when, always when an impending war is coming. I always hated the Dixie Chicks just because I never liked the music, but then I saw Shut Up and Sing and then I loved the Dixie Chicks from that point on. One of the quotes from the speech is he says, "I think all men recognize that in time of war the citizen must surrender some rights for the common good which he is entitled to enjoy in time of peace." But, sir, the right to control their own government according to constitutional forms is not one of the rights the citizens of this country are called upon to surrender in time of war. Rather, in time of war, the citizen must be more alert to the preservation of his right to control his government. He must be most watchful of the encroachment of the military upon the civil power. He must beware of these precedents in support of arbitrary action by administration officials which, excused on the pleas of necessity in wartime, become the fixed rule when the necessity is passed and normal conditions have been restored. More than all, the citizen and his representative in Congress in time of war must maintain his right of free speech. 
Whoa. It is a great, great speech. It's available online. I mean, if you read it, the parallels are eerily yeah. similar to today's current climate. This is this is why it's important to learn a little history, because <laughs> it can help you with the future. Yeah. Now, this really, really hurt his career, and one of the challengers, when he gave that great speech, uh, really destroyed him verbally um, as part of that. Um, attacked him quite vor voraciously. It was Joseph Taylor Robinson from Arkansas. And a uh, a press correspondent described his speech as the most unrestrained language that has ever been heard in the Senate. He was basically shaking his fist and spit was flying and he was yelling at uh, Fighting Bob and there was no, there was no <laughs> retort. There was no way to respond. Um, but he was totally vilified by that. And uh, he, he really was seen as kind of a treasonous scoundrel from that point on for quite a while. Hmm. Yeah, it's too bad. But, I mean, the, the, the same thing happened in 2003 when everybody was, you know, getting behind the Iraq War. Everybody who spoke out was seen as a villain and a traitor. Of course, it turns out that, you know, they were right. It, <laughs> the, the, you know, it, total invasion wasn't the best idea. You know, so a lot of times... It, it, by speaking out and speaking the truth does not make you the most popular. Yeah, and popularity was not what Fighting Bob was all about. He really spoke truth to power, and he even, you know, had claimed that there's bribery within the party and brought it to light and, and really fought against all forms of corporate conspiracy or corporate bribery and, and really felt like he was a people's mm -hmm. politician. And that always, didn't always fly right. Yeah. So Fighting Bob Fest wasn't really uh, based on Fighting Bob La Follette, but his ideas. It's not like it's not right. a festival on his birth date or death date or anything like that. Right. It's a festival of ideas that that they want to try to get across progressive ideas right. in the state of Wisconsin and the, help unify people the, so the they can get together. The whole idea is, the problem is progressives uh, tend to be very disorganized and they wander around, you know, each with their own little cause, but never really get together. So uh, Ed Garvey and a, and a few others, they actually met in 2001 at a Perkins restaurant and hashed out this idea for a Fighting Bob Fest. Now, you know this is a patriotic thing to do when you meet at a Perkins. <laughs> Perkins has, like, the biggest American flags of anybody. Now, if it were Denny's, and, I don't know if that would yeah, really fly. Yeah, Denny's, I don't know. They're iffy, man. But <laughs> Perkins, this is an American patriotic thing going on here. Uh, but so it, what it does is it, it serves as kind of a catalyst for uh, political movements, for solving tough issues, for getting... Uh, getting the uh, progressive voice heard. You know, another thing about Fighting Bob that I would want to mention is in uh, 1959, uh, Senator John Kennedy, I don't know if you've heard of him, but uh, back when John Kennedy was a senator, um, he was called upon uh, to, uh, they were leading a five-member committee to decide who the uh, most famous senators were in the history of the United States. So they were thinking about the greatest senators who ever lived in the United States. And, and there were hundreds to choose from, people who had served for many, many years. And, and they, they went back and forth on this. And on May 1st of 1957, the Kennedy Committee reported to the Senate its choices of 
the five greatest senators and Henry Clay from Kentucky, John Calhoun from South Carolina, Daniel Webster from uh, Massachusetts, Robert Taft from Ohio, and Robert La Follette Sr. from Wisconsin were the five. So and this is even a list of 100. This is a, just five. Five. It became it. seven because in 2004, the Senate added um, Arthur Vandenberg and Robert Wagner to the distinguished group. But okay. uh, So the Senate yeah. does keep track of who they think their greatest were, and right. Fightin' Bob La Follette was right there. So now what's happened is their numbers have been retired, and they're displayed <laughs> around the rotunda of the Capitol, correct? Yes. Well, unless they <laughs> throw a crying hissy fit and demand to get back in the Senate like a Joe Lieberman and yeah. then they run as an independent and, and then turn into a become e- something totally different. Yeah. A yeah. puppet of the Republicans. Yeah, yeah. I think he wears NASCAR on his sleeve. <laughs> yeah. But you know. <laughs> so anyway, we did manage at Fight and Bob Fest 2008 to speak to one of these speakers before his big speech. That's right. I interviewed Jim Hightower, who uh, is the the author of uh Swim against the current, even a dead fish can go with the flow. Many of you listening have probably heard Jim Hightower. Oh, yeah. He's he's on all kinds of radio programs. He's on all kinds of progressive programs, serious radio. He's all over. He's got his own um, intermittent podcast. He does a little bit of video podcasting. Yeah. He's out there. He's got a great, great progressive voice. He's written numerous numerous books, many of of which you can get on uh, CD or books on tape, whatever which is a good way to go with his books because he has a real fun way of speaking, real Texas style. Yeah, He's just a fun guy to listen to. Yeah, I love the titles of his books. I mean, that's usually what draws me to his books. The titles yeah. are, are great, and, and this is another one. Um, but here's uh, Tor in an interview with Jim Hightower. Live at Fightin' Bob Fest. I'm Tor, I'm at Bobfest, and I'm with Jim Hightower right now, and I'm going to ask him about what he thought about the convention. Uh, well, I, I was at the Democratic convention, and it was just an absolute hoorah. It was just fabulous. Uh, the spirit of people, you know, the, the interesting thing about that convention was there was the convention you saw the media talking about and writing about. Uh, then there was the actual convention, because the media kept talking about this big split between the Clinton supporters and the Obama supporters. In fact, it wasn't there. Uh, sure, there were a handful of Clinton supporters who were still mad, uh, and I think a number of them were mad, uh, but they were getting over it, and they certainly were not thinking about voting for McCain. So that, that was just a ludicrous media-generated squabble that didn't actually uh, exist. Uh, the spirit of the people were tremendous. They were upbeat. Uh, all the speeches, of course, you saw and heard uh, were, were excellent. Uh, so, so folks were moving forward. Uh, now, having said that, uh, the you know, Obama is going to be only as good as we make him. Uh, so, because the corporate lobbyists are going to be all over him, and uh, and so we have to push. It's not enough to put him in the White House. We have to go into the White House with him. And then the Republicans, what a hoot to see them claiming to be the party of change, and when of course they've been the party in power and creating the problems that we now have economically, environmentally, war, uh, right down the line, uh, and. Uh, you know, and John McCain uh, running his entire campaign is uh, run by lobbyists. His campaign manager is a lobbyist. Uh, his ch- 
chief uh, economic advisor. Phil Graham's a lobbyist. Uh, his chief foreign policy advisor is a lobbyist for foreign governments. Uh, his uh, his uh, chief fundraiser is a lobbyist. Uh, his uh, his uh, chief strategist is a lobbyist. You know, right on down the line. That is not the kind of change that I think America has in mind. I think I agree with you. And uh, what do you think about Bob Fest? And uh, do you have a don't you have a book out that uh, gets into that a bit? I do. I've got a book called Swim Against the Current. Even a dead fish can go with the flow. Uh, and it tells the stories of uh, people all across the country who are making change, rebelling against the corporate order, uh, finding their own vision of success, and succeeding uh, in business, in politics, in health care, in religion, all different aspects uh, of our lives. And one of the stories I tell is about Bob Fest. Uh, this is an example of democracy in action right here. Uh, people coming together uh, around issues, uh, around a progressive vision, uh, but also in the spirit of fun. Great music, great food, uh, great Wisconsin beer. I'm sipping on one even as I speak to you here. Uh, the uh, A little bit of Lake Louis going through my veins. Uh, and uh, and uh, the workshops, the breakout sessions where people actually organize their own agenda to take to the legislature. This is what democracy really is about. People getting together, uh, getting information, getting training, uh, getting informed, and getting ready to go out there uh, and make the kind of change that America really needs. Uh, so I think every state ought to have a Bob Fest. Uh, they can call it whatever they want, but they definitely need this. Uh, this is an outfit that's figured how to put the party back in politics. Well, thank you, Jim, and uh, I'll let you move on to the next thing. But uh, this is uh, Tank Riot at BobFest. Thank you. Good for you. Well, that was Jim Hightower, and man, we really appreciate that he would talk to us. Yeah, and it was it was uh, uh, fun interviewing him. I, I think I, I couldn't get the grin off my face. I loved how he was <laughs> drinking um, Lake Louis beer. Yeah. <laughs> and I've met the brewer of Lake Louis. It's, his name is Tom Porter, and he's out of Arena, Wisconsin. And uh-huh. he has he's a home brewer gone corporate. So he turned his garage into a giant brew house, basically. He had it paved. He had it expanded. It was bigger than his house when I went out there. It was fantastic. And he shows up at the Great Taste of the Midwest, and he's always got really, really, really great beers. This is Wisconsin. Uh-huh. And uh, at the at Fight and Bob Fest, they had a couple of his, and his Scotch Ale is one that is unrivaled. So, wow. yeah, it was really cool that Jim Hightower was drinking Lake Louis beer. So Yeah. <laughs> it was a you lot know, of fun. I missed out on the beer because... I, I, I didn't know you guys were gonna go into the beer, beer area. <laughs> so I went and bought this strawberry soda, and well, that may be the last strawberry soda I buy. It was awfully sweet. Well, we'd already had the corn dogs, so you know the corn dogs. You the gotta have your, sandwiches. you gotta have your Lake Louis Scotch Ale in its own Fighting Bob. Yeah, fest. Well, uh, there's next 16 year. Sixteen ounce glass. So yeah, next we'll see year. about next year. Yeah. So, you know, I wanted to wrap up about Fighting Bob. He made an unsuccessful bid for the presidency in 1924. And, you know, he won Wisconsin, basically. And he got 17% of the the U.S. vote. Um, Way more than Nader. (laughs) But uh, he he actually died shortly after um, from cardiovascular disease. After the election was done in 1925, he died. Um, Yeah, maybe a... Not a side effect. Uh, t- <laughs> no. 
<laughs> to the uh, other raging speeches. No. Uh, and and that's why McCain's taking it easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He doesn't want to have that same. That's why he has to start every sentence with my friends. The La Follette uh, reign in Wisconsin went on for 40 years, and he had two sons, and Philip and Robert La Follette Jr. Um, went on to uh, be you know governor and, and work in the state of Wisconsin. But what was really kind of eerie is that uh, La Follette Jr., uh, returned to the Republican Party in 1946 oh, yeah? and ran for Republican Senate against uh, the former Democratic state senator, Joe McCarthy. <laughs> wow. And, of course, lost. So it was this loss that brought us Joe McCarthy, tailgunner Joe, to the wow. communist bashing stage <clears throat> of American politics of the 1950s. And that, my friends, is a douchery episode. For the future. I, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> Someday. <laughs> Someday. But but speaking of the Republican Party of the future, uh, one of the great quotes of of fighting Bob La Follette uh, is, every nation has its war party. It is not the party of democracy. It is the party of autocracy. It seeks to dominate absolutely. It is commercial, imperialistic, ruthless. It tolerates no opposition. It is just as arrogant, just as despotic in London or in Washington as in Berlin. The American jingo is twin to the German junker. If there is no sufficient reason for war, the war party will make war on one pretext. Then invent another. That's right. From Iraq to Iran to Georgia. I thought that fit very well with yeah. the current context of war. And you know, as a, a studier of international relations, Georgia is not innocent in its involvement uh, with the war with Russia. And, yeah. and Russia, of course, is not innocent, but Russia did not invade Georgia. Georgia invaded Ossetia. So, I mean, I think yeah. the McCain camp could maybe study geography a little bit and yeah, make an opinion on that. Yeah, don't get your uh, world, world politics issues from the McCain camp. It's overly simplified is probably the easiest way to put it. So Fightin' Bob Fest was probably my favorite convention of the convention season. That's right. And I watched too much of both of the others. Yeah. I ended up uh, first watching the Democratic convention. Because their convention was first. I know. Yeah. And it was it was pretty good, right? Yeah. You know, to be honest, I didn't watch a lot of it, but, you know, there's some good speeches. They said stuff. We got Joe Biden as VP candidate. Could be worse, um, you, you know. But uh, but I think as Jim Hightower said, it was uh, uh, an, an energetic, uh, you know, good start for Obama there. I like how he pointed out the manufactured by the media. Yeah, uh, th this whole, and as a matter of fact, the media's, you know, the media has to have the horse race because that feeds the absolutely. advertising and everything. There's uh, the Huffington Post has an article uh, suggesting that. The polls are being uh, sort of juiced a bit to favor the Republicans to keep it a horse race. Yeah, there were some there were some yeah. um, ad admittance from the pollsters of that that one poll that they uh, it might not be that they are juicing the polls, but that they had spoken to an inadvertently larger amount of Republicans than they yeah. had Democrats. <laughs> right, which which biases the poll, but the polls should yeah. balance that. 
um, when they release their results rather than just release the results raw. You should yeah. explain. Yeah, they didn't this wait percentage. It yeah, the, the waiting wasn't done. So that's pretty pathetic, mm -hmm. and that, that's horse yeah. race politics itself. But yeah. uh, but the the Democratic convention, and we realize we're talking about old news, so we don't want to talk too much about it. That's right. But the Democratic convention led right into the Republican convention in beautiful Minnesota. St. Paul, Minnesota. Where everyone can be arrested. That's right. <laughs> it's just... Press pass or no press pass. It's... I love Minnesota. I'm originally from Minnesota, and my God, I hope Norm Coleman doesn't cause Minnesota to hold another Republican convention because that's just not very uh, Midwestern. Yeah. I don't know what Garrison Keillor would think. Yeah, how how can you do a Garrison Keillor about the Republican convention? It's just... It, it, it's like they had to turn into thugs to be able to hold it at all. I picture Garrison Keillor in jack boots and high stepping. <laughs> you know, we don't he need could, no interlopers. Probably, that voice, he could probably pull it off. It'd be like, <laughs> it was pathetic, but but I had to watch Sarah Palin's uh, speech, as it were. Did you watch that? Yes, I did. You know, okay, let's give. She can read a teleprompter. That's great. I think that anyone who can read a teleprompter is eligible to be president of the United States of America. <laughs> and let's be honest, here at Tank Riot, our teleprompters died years ago. What you're hearing is <laughs> what's coming straight out of our heads, which does explain a few things. And, you know, but, you can put lipstick on a pig tour, but it's still a pig. And, yes, I'm talking about Sarah Palin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that whole sexist remark thing about uh, Obama saying the whole about the economic policies, Ridic absolutely ridiculous. I mean, he, yeah. he actually could have made the same remark about dressing up these backwater ideals of creationism in the schools, and the Sarah oh, Palin yeah. agenda is really, really backwater, but it's got a lot of lipstick on it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, the, 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 the stuff that has come out on her, it's just incredible. And it's amazing that everybody's, you know, so gung-ho about her. It's working. But, you, you know, <laughs> she's uh, worked extremely hard to get earmarks for Alaska. And, Over 200 million uh, earmarks in the last year. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, you know, McCain said he'd make him famous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think he's made her famous right uh -huh. away. Yeah. It, don't listen to what they say. Look and see what they've actually done. This has been really... It's just a big media propaganda. It's been highly entertaining. Play. Oh, they You know, I I woke up, I had the day off yesterday. We're recording this on September 11th. So, yeah. um because we're not running for office, we're allowed to talk about politics today because That's September right. 11th apparently is the new holy day where you're not allowed to talk politics. Just mourn the dead. Yeah. What I mean, you know, I suppose you know that that's okay. It, it is worth a moment of silence. It is. And, but you know uh, what? I was infuriated by the 12-minute video that was shown at the Republican convention of 9-11. Did you see that I, part? I missed that one. Oh, it was a beautiful video of planes flying into buildings, people screaming and running in terror. The politics of fear. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I was, I was totally appalled that that would be brought up again. You know, we all lived through that time, and that was a horrible time, and to use it for your own political gain at your political convention is absolutely disgusting. So right. I was absolutely appalled by that. Right. 
So, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like I can talk about politics on 9-11, yeah. although it was yeah. a horrible time for us all seven the, years ago. It, it's okay to talk about 9-11 in respect of how your policies could prevent it in the future or, you know, economic impact of or, you know, say something respectful to the people who gave their lives uh, to trying to save these, you know, other people. And I'll... But yeah, but that's not what the, what the Republicans no. are doing. They're, it's just it's totally a, for political gain. There's a lot of political gain. And you know what? And they they did a good job of, of that. They have yeah. won their base. They and have excited their base. And they've got people ready to vote. They're villainizing, for, you know, talking about Islamic terrorists, which, you know, yes, they're a problem. But I don't know. Just the way they're pointing it out, they're really playing towards the politics of fear. Yeah. And, uh, but... You know, really, if you're talking about emergency preparedness and, um, you know, preparing for uh, disasters or attacks on our country, you really have to take an all-hazards approach. You know, you don't just look at the terrorist. you got to look at every, you know, aspect of our country. You have to prepare for hurricanes, uh, protect our ports, uh protect the environment so we don't get an environmental catastrophe. Mm. You know, you have to have solid infrastructure. The uh, uh, power plants have to have the safety features. And all these other hazards that exist that could potentially be even more dangerous than 9-11, the Republicans pretty much across the board haven't done diddly squat for. In fact, they've, you know, cut legislation and cut funding that could help in this respect. I don't want this podcast to be too much about ranting, but I had the day off yesterday, which was September 10th. And this is all yeah. old news by the time anyone hears this podcast, but I decided to watch the news, like a lot of it, a lot of it. I went from uh, the local to the CNN to CNN headline news, you know, everything but Fox, MSNBC, everywhere. And the only thing I heard about was a comment about a pig with lipstick. And I heard about it over and over and over again from every major news outlet and they would go from one commentator to the democratic side and then one the same commentator to the republican side why is this a total outrage here's why it is why is this not a total outrage here's why it is not and all i saw on television was the death of journalism and i saw that there was no real journalism going on everything was a he said she said of the polarized left and right rather than a journalist saying, wow, the person on the left says this, the person on the right says this, here is the truth. I am a journalist. And I was offended that we don't have, uh, we don't have a Murrow. We don't have a real journalistic ability to yeah. say, Hey, I don't care about spin. This is the truth of the policies. These are all the truths of the policies and let's stop doing talking heads. It was yeah. all talking heads for like, three hours and then eventually i went on a i don't know 20 mile bike ride to quench my rage <laughs> you know all the bike rides are a great uh elixir for uh to help with your uh to help with rage and that kind of thing the uh, yeah the lipstick on a pig thing is just ridiculous it's a common expression especially here in the well, midwest no it was found out pretty quick and i think that i think it did get stomped out pretty quick because once enough news companies say that mccain said it himself then it disappears but you know yeah. that in the coming weeks we only have about 50 days by the time you're listening to this podcast every day that the gonna election be something is going to there will be something yeah. else and then there will be a republican talking head and then a democrat talking head and then some right. journalist 
and I use that with air quotes, some journalist saying, why do you think he's right? Why do you think they're wrong? And there's going to be no, hey, I'm the journalist. Here is the truth. Believe me, because I'm a journalist. Where did that go? I mean, is that only available on The Daily Show? Is that the only outlet for true journalism? Well, speaking of The Daily Show <laughs> and talking about the political conventions, if you really want the best reporting on the political conventions, you got to watch The Daily Show episodes about them. You I know, mean, he, that's, he that's hits... Emmy-winning, I think. Oh, the, the, demo, the convention coverage was pretty Emmy-winning. Oh, just put it in the theaters, give him an Oscar, too. It was excellent stuff. All right, well... I don't have to go too far on those those conventions. I just really needed to vent. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they that's kind of the uh, the release of uh, venting is what was required. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, thank you for allowing me that. You know, we do have a fighting Bob LaFollette right now from the state of Wisconsin, and his name is Russ Feingold. That's right. And I thought I'd mention him because Russ Feingold is the only senator who voted against the Patriot Act uh, in 2001. And he's also that, one that. of 23 senators who voted against the war in Iraq. So this guy is standing by his record, and he's still there. He votes for what he thinks is right, period. Yeah, he called for censure of President Bush in 2006. And the Senate ignored it. He called for censure yeah. again in 2007. He has really looked out for the citizens of Wisconsin and you may not know him in, in other states or in other countries, but Russ Feingold, there are still good men out there serving in yes. the U.S. government. And I count Obama mm -hmm. in his ranks, but uh, I'm very, very proud of yeah. Russ Feingold's legacy with the fighting Bob theory. Right. Yeah. It's really great that he is our senator and that he uh, is remaining, uh, th that he's won, uh, I don't know, is it Three elections in a row now, I think. Yeah, he's he's one of the few. He's one of the few that the, he yeah. he he's thought about running for president, and then and the best thing is the Republicans just hate him. Oh, they absolutely <laughs> do. They absolutely do. And you know, he he bought the he bought the website addresses, the web domains for Russ Feingold 08. So I mean, th there's always possibility for you know Russ Feingold, you know, 2012 or whatever. 12, but yeah. We'll, we'll see what happens. But I, I, I thought we couldn't talk about fighting Bob without saying there are some real yeah. great representatives out there like Tammy Baldwin and Russ Feingold. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> not Herb Cole because I'm very disappointed with his views yeah. on. Herb, we're not sure what's going on we're not, with Herb. We're not sure what he's thinking. He might be going the Joe Lieberman route. Yeah. I, well, I, there's just not much there with Herb Cole. He's <laughs> just this. He likes basketball, though. He gave us a nice. <laughs> We got the Cole, Cole Center in uh, Madison. It's nice. We play hockey and basketball there. And Ooh, well, Sarah Palin's a pretty, hockey mom. That's right, <laughs> which makes her eligible Electable. to be president. <laughs> she can be president. Yeah. And, yeah. Ugh. Well, before we finish off on this topic, I would say one more quote from Robert LaFollette. America is not made. It is in the making. Mere passive citizenship is not enough. Men must be aggressive for what is right if government is to be saved from those who are aggressive for what is wrong. That's right. You got to speak up, say what's right, and take it when you can get it. And we do get people who do that, and they send us emails at feedback at tankriot.com. That's right. <laughs>
or wrong. Pointing out previous discrepancies <laughs> and errors of omission in previous episodes. We definitely love being told we're wrong, and we very much appreciate it, yes. everyone. Now, this, by the way, is episode 58. Uh, you will be able to check out the show notes at tankriot.com. Hope to have uh, maybe a couple pictures from Fighting Bob Fest. In fact, if it, if it turned out, speaking about running for the president, <laughs> presidential candidate Cynthia McKinney for the Green Party was at Fighting Bob Fest. Yeah. She was there, and uh, I, we just couldn't figure out how to put together an interview. How, how do you interview someone who's running for third place? Well, we also, you know, I, the 9-11 truthers were there as well. Yes. And I wasn't so, going to interview them either. Right. So they have all kinds at Fighting Bob Fest. Yeah, it goes from the far left and to the medium and, left. Yeah, it, it's really, I, I'm sure I agree just about on every issue with Cynthia McKenney, but running for president just doesn't work. If you're listening it, to us in California, you have not heard the name Cynthia McKinney yet. That means yeah. she will not win a bid for presidency. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't, uh, yeah, I don't yeah. understand that tenacity, but hey. But someone's got to do anyway, it. Anyway, I, I think the problem is we have a two-party system. So what we need to do first is get rid of the Republicans. <laughs> then we can have one of these other parties come up. You know, maybe the Greens. That'd be great. So we'd have two-party system, Greens and the Democrats. Now we can get down to business. What about the Libertarians? Well, Libertarians and the Democrats. What about you, the you Pastafarians? Pasta, well... <laughs> I just mentioned the Greens because it's like they're they're more aligned the way All Tor right. thinks. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. But we well, have... if you have comments or feedback, or you're a diehard neoconservative Republican, email us at feedback at tankriot.com. Yep. We like that. We do. You know, we got a we got a lot of emails about our uh, Bohemian Grove Grove <laughs> episode, Sode Grove. And uh, we do realize that it's conspiracy theory, and we do also realize that a large part of Bohemian Grove is Bohemian. So <laughs> we do uh-huh. know that there's some definite hanging out in the woods, naked, having fun, playing music kind of Bohemian stuff going on. But we wanted to point out the conspiracy part of it. That was our job. Yeah, that was the uh, as journalists purpose of that particular episode. <laughs> But we've also gotten some great emails from people all over. If you do email us, please tell us where you're writing us from. We'd like to know. That's right. Here we have an email from Dan, and he wants to set us straight on our Olympics episode. And he claims we have not seen the uh, HBO documentary Hitler's Pawn. And I have not. And neither have I. (laughs) But it does sound intriguing. Your claim is true. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> anyway, it's about a Jewish female high jumper who was the best in Germany, but she was refused to respond on the team because she was Jewish. Rightfully so, Avery Brundage would say. <laughs> yes, and he comes into that. Um, but then there was international pressure to take the games away from Germany because they're not letting one of their own people compete based on their... Uh, a religion. But uh, anyway, long story short, Average Brundage comes in and kind of says, ah, you know, let them have the games. <laughs> and uh, Brundage uh, manages to get, he, get, he gets a construction contract for yeah, the for German the, embassy that was embassy. Being, being built in Washington, D.C. 
Yeah. So, you know, not only does he align himself with the Nazis, he gets a bunch of money for, you know, helping him out. He's a winner. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love Avery Brundage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, thank you, Dan. One other thing I'd mention is, uh, as an episode update, basically, we did episode 12, I believe, on the works of Studio Ghibli and Hayao Miyazaki. Um, great, great Japanese uh, animation studio. And I just managed to see Tales from Earthsea by Goro Miyazaki, his son, directed an Ursula K. Le Guin adaptation film. And I had put it off because it's a Region 3 DVD, and there's no way I could actually watch it in America. And I finally figured out I could <clears throat> man break it or or change my computer to a Region 3 computer and watch it on my computer. So mm-hmm. I did actually somehow watch this film, which was mediocre at best. Oh. So <laughs> I wasn't very happy. Yeah. And it's an Ursula K. Le Guin, so I was kind of disappointed that it wasn't better than it was. But if you are a fan, this would tide you over for a while after Spirited Away. Definitely not for children, not for little kids. And as Region 3, the only language choices you had were Chinese or Japanese. So if they can't read subtitles, they're not going to be into the film. And the the themes were pretty dark about life and death. And, and there were some pretty spooky, weird ideas behind it. So... Wow. Yeah, not not so impressive. But I found out that uh, Hayao Miyazaki himself is directing a film that was just released called Ponyo on the Cliff of the on the Cliff by the Sea, which uh, will be translated into probably Pixar's or Disney's going to do this in two thousand and nine. But it's about a goldfish who wants to be human and escapes from the sea. So basic fantasy stuff from Hayao Miyazaki and. I'm hoping to get my hands on that soon, but it's played at uh, some film festivals and it's getting some really good reviews. But I wanted to give that little Hayao Miyazaki update if you have a chance or if you've seen those, let me know. Um, but All we right. also got an email from Fergoja-san and I don't think I have to say much more than that, but um, he decided to start a Tank Riot Facebook group. It's a so, Tank Boy Riot <laughs> Facebook group? Yes. So wow. if, if you are on Facebook which Tank Riot technically is not, and we do not endorse anything. Now, uh, <laughs> there is a Tank Riot Facebook group, and if you wow. go to groups and type Tank Riot, you will find it, and Fergoja-san has started that up. So if you have things to say or or not to say or you want to join up, go ahead and, mm-hmm. and jump in the discussion. We also do know, and many of you have written us, and we are aware, there's a lack of pictures of us, there's a lack of biographies of us, and there's a lack of us on the internet, except for our podcast. That's right. We are aware of this. <laughs> yeah. We're giving you the vocal cords here. Enough said. <laughs> mm-hmm. But thank you very much for Gojasan for doing that. And when one of us wants to join Facebook, we will. <laughs> and we'll definitely try to keep tabs on that. So thanks yes. for doing that. Uh, we are also available uh, in the vast wasteland that is Dig Podcasts. And please tell your friends and keep listening. Yeah. Give us a give us a dig at dig. Give us a vote at Podcast Alley. And send us an uh-huh. email at feedback at tankriot.com. If you have things to mail us, you can mail stuff to Tank Riot at Tank Riot, P.O. Box 2744, Madison, Wisconsin, 53701-2744. Thank you 
Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Brian. That's right. At www.cinema-suicide.com, we got your package. And all the details, the P.O. Box, everything else, you can get at tankriot.com. Get well soon, Sputnik. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Now... Now, is Sputnik, is he a, a solid state or a vacuum tube uh, satellite? He's definitely a vacuum tube. Definitely vacuum tube. <laughs> yeah, those every now and then you got to change the tubes with new ones. Absolutely. And, yeah. Absolutely. Test it right. So, yeah, yeah he's he's out being cl- fixed up. He's out of orbit every now and then, too, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, so, what can you do? Yeah, that's the way it goes. So, enjoy your next 50 days of television, everyone. Yeah. <laughs>